to this week's episode of Dum Dum Die in a very soft way because I'm the only one here. It's usually an all-female, all-awesome D&D 5th edition homebrew podcast and Twitch stream. But this week, our sorceress is very sick. So I decided to let my players off this week as we decide on some world-building and plot points going forward for the rest of the year. Because we are nearing December, very excited. And with that, we're going to pre-record some of the episodes so they won't be as interactive. Right, so basically what the plan is for this evening, what we're going to do is discuss some of the world lore, which I will eventually write down for the people who asked for it and share on our socials and on our website and things like that. But then we're also going to look at really digging into the motivation of the serial killer because that was actually something the Twitch stream basically came up with and potentially what could happen going forward. So I normally run homebrew settings because I I haven't been playing Dungeons and Dragons that long. I mean, five years is a longish time, but some people are like, I've been playing for 40 years. That's amazing and awesome. But because I don't know all the plot points for Eberron and I don't know everything about Forgotten Realms, I, I don't really like running adventures in those areas that are freeform because let's say argument's sake I say and then the vampires sparkle in the daylight obviously they do not for want of a better example and then someone's going to be like that's not how vampires work in Eberron so I can't say well that's how my vampires work in Eberron or that's not how Vargul work in Eberron or Vargul would never be in Eberron this I say to you is in my homebrew system I have what I want and what I want is flying sky whales so there you go how I make a campaign is usually I look at one high concept for the world. So for my previous campaign, the high concept was the fact that everyone was attached to a god. And what I did in that campaign is I actually let the players play a character in a one shot that lasted about three episodes. And in that one shot, those characters died. Those characters then became the gods and the pantheon for the world. So that way, each character and each player was attached to the god that they played so it a helped them know their gods really well but b i thought it also gave it a really nice touch and then i have basically god salesmen who were called hucklers which we never actually ran into that much because players always take you on a totally different tangent i have actually never read or watched american gods so i thought my concept was so you know out of this world and amazing because i was like what's going to happen is the big bad evil is trying to come back to defeat the gods that exist, the pantheon that exists now, because the more people believe in them, the more those gods will come to life. And, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it's totally an original idea, which no one has ever had before. Enter American gods when I tell someone. (laughs) And then I'm like, what? Which I legit have never, ever read. Now, the high concept for this world is this magic, mechanical conceit of um, the fact that Everything is running on magical powers. And for people to truly allow that to happen, they'd have to put stringent rules in place. So we're going to discuss a bit of those rules and the law of where mages fall in the hierarchy and which mages fall where. People with magical powers can't be allowed to run amok, even though we want to use them for all their worth and all their natural resources. Let's jump into the world of 
what the mage hierarchy looks like and a little bit of history of the world. So we're going to move from the high concept of the world and magic mix and the hierarchy of mages. And then we're going to move into the finer details of the concept of this season or seasons, depending on how long it takes, you know, the characters to leave the village of why the serial killer, the con key killer is doing it and what his ultimate motivation is. I mean, I have ideas, but I would like to get some of your ideas as well. So the mages, as we've mentioned, sort of as we've been going, is sorcerers will be at the top of the class. And mainly I picked sorcerers because our players were playing sorcerers, but also because sorcerers magic is quite innate. You know, wizards need to study and warlocks have to make packs and things like that. Look, we're going to ignore bards and kind of put bards at the bottom of the totem because even though bards are innately magical, they always need to perform something to create it, to make it happen, right? So a sorcerer can do some things just through touch. Other mages can do things just verbally, non-verbally, with a component, with no components, touch, distance, whereas a bard generally has very strict requirements right it's got to they've got to perform something to create that spell so bards will be near the bottom unless you have something to say about that so we have sorcerers then i was thinking followed by because it's a magic mech world so i'm wondering if i should put druids right at the bottom like the world doesn't really care about nature and people who use magic and nature are not are usually hedge witches or would druids be higher up because they often have like animal befriending spells and things like that and how do you get oil out of sky whales are they basically magic farmers so would druids be magic farmers or are they just hedge witches and like used to clean the sewers and quite low down the the chain I'm going to put them in the middle for now. So maybe, yeah, it depends on which job you have. So maybe you're a magic farmer, maybe you're a magic waste cleaner. Then we're going to put wizards under druids because they need to study a lot. So everyone sees them as useful but also lame because they don't have it innately. Then I'm going to say warlocks because you have to be pretty strong, go under sorcerers, because you have to be pretty strong to be able to make a pact with another entity. So we have sorcerers, warlocks, druids, wizards. And how the hierarchy goes is sorcerers generally, also I think people try and leave bards to the bottom because they know their charisma is quite high. And truly, if someone with power and charisma rose to the top, that is how dangerous, dangerous things happen. So I think everyone looks down on bards because that's the only way you can survive their charisma. Okay, so you know what? Maybe druids have a madness, like a mechanical madness that sets in because they work the closest with the oil and they work the closest with draining the oil from items. So they have this mechanical mechanical madness that sets in that essentially corrupts them slowly but surely so mechanical madness that's cool that's building into the world and i feel like we need to have within the shadows guild because this is basically within the shadows guild right the community and the people outside don't necessarily look at people and think like oh you're a sorcerer or warlock i mean it's not like people are wearing badges or anything this is the hierarchy within the Shadows Guild. And then the hierarchy sort of outside is anyone who's magical is someone to be a little bit wary of. 
So, what if we have, within the Shadows Guild, we have assassins whose job it is to go and take out anyone who has been corrupted. The drawing of oil can contaminate the mind, which can make the druids go slightly loopy, but have more insight. So, there's assassins that, basically, there's some people in the guild whose job it is to get rid of any druid or any mage that has been affected by this mechanical madness, which I feel like I, we should call the clank. I'm just going to put you in brackets, ratchet. <laughs> I'm using myself. And this is why you build your own worlds, guys. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. So I wonder if there's a connection between the assassins and the conkey killer. Because I've been looking at him. Because I had kind of built the conkey killer as... A character that is actually they're actually going to multi-class into being an artificer so someone who so they and then we need to put that into the shadows guild artificers need to sit somewhere i think they would sit right under sorcerers so they would sit higher than warlocks and most artificers are either a warlock or a sorcerer in that someone needs to make the mechanics, right? So sorcerers and every mage runs the mechanics. They just run varying uh, bards and wizards run toasters, right? And then sorcerers run the steam train or run sort of the the airships. But artificers are a subclass that basically build all the mechanics. So they would build the magic and the mech together. So I was wondering if... The Conkey Killer, who was called Banquo, which I thought was very apt because in, and I won't say the name because I used to be a theatre performer and I'm superstitious, but in the Scottish play, Banquo is a good guy. But if you sort of go look at the history of it, Banquo was actually apparently part of the plot and was essentially Lady M in real life and he was trying to get Lord M to murder the king. And so he was quite happy to let that happen so Banquo's actually not a good guy but Shakespeare wrote him as a good guy because the king at the time claimed to be descended from Banquo's line and you don't want to be saying like your your family line is filled with murderous wretches who try to usurp the throne so I'm sure Shakespeare was like okay let's make Banquo really good and a nice guy so Banquo I've built him that he's multi-classed in artificing and sorcery because the concept that I've had for him so far is that he's basically trying to animate humanoids into a living clockwork so not a golem not an actual clockwork in the monsters manual and in the players guides but he's trying to essentially make automatons that are made out of living material but have their own thoughts and soul so basically he wants to see if he can try and make people live forever why i wonder if maybe his one of his parents was not a druid who went ratchet essentially he wants to be able to plug a key into anyone and create that so you can just always rewind them so wouldn't have a a warforged or mechanical body they would just have the key body and i think that came through in the duck which is the bomb, which as an aside, they realize that the players don't realize that anything someone's touched, especially if they're an artificer, they can attune their spirit and their mind to items. And I mean, he could totally scry for that uh, 
duck beak if he wanted. I'm just saying, because I was thinking that's actually a really sick way for a magical person to become almost like this really crazy terrorist because if they can scry an item and they put something that can move by itself, they can always check where the item is so they could see where the duck is and it doesn't need a timer. He could just remotely explode it. His modus operandi for big damage, he's essentially very, very strong and powerful and also a kind of permeating big bad that isn't going to always come in contact with the players. And that's always the problem, right? Is you create this big bad and Curse of Straw does it really well in that there's this big bad that you're trying to chase, but you never see him until you're strong enough to face him, right? But sometimes when people are creating their own campaigns, you meet the big bad and there's just no way for you to defeat it. And then the big bad has to leave you alive for some reason because game it's always interesting to think why would the big bad leave them alive if they're that much of a problem right or why would the big bad not come into close contact and proximity with them and now here's where i bring up something that how to be a great game master always says uh so guy our friend he always says that everyone wants something so the way you build a story is essentially someone wants something very badly and someone is and something is stopping them from getting it so, what is this Conkey killer? What does Banquo want? Banquo wants to revive his druid parent. What's interesting is this doesn't sound unlike a backstory for a hero, right? <laughs> is Banquo wants to revive his parent who died, and what's stopping him from doing it? Essentially, the, the laws of the world, the Assassin's Guild, and the fact that he doesn't necessarily know how to do it. So someone wants something very badly and something is stopping them from getting it. And what do the adventurers want? They want to find Banquo very badly. And what is stopping them from getting it? Essentially themselves because adventurers. <laughs> maybe not revive but not experience loss again and maybe stop others experiencing the same. Okay. So, I mean, that's always for me what's most interesting, right? Is I don't think evil people, well, evil characters and evil people truly believe they're evil right and that was always my favorite thing about kingsman that's what the the great thing about kingsman's villains are is when you listen to their their theory you were like damn i mean are they that wrong <laughs> and so good intent bad through bad means right but sacrifice must be made in order to create progress yeah yeah absolutely right so i mean Samuel L. Jackson's character in Kingsman was like, I don't, okay, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Kingsman 1, I want to save the planet and I want to save it for people, so I'm going to kill half the world's population or more than that because that's the only way we can sustain. He's not unlike Thanos, except Thanos, you know, let's all be real, we've all seen the discussions. I mean, Thanos could have just clicked his fingers and created more resources. Whereas Samuel L. Jackson's character does not have that uh, deus ex gauntlet machina. I think that it slowly starts to corrupt them. They don't realize how far and how much they've done to achieve what they think is going to bring about world peace or bring about everyone's happiness. That when they look back, they've come too far and their soul has been destroyed too much. Maybe he doesn't want to go back for a parent, but he definitely lost a parent. So he's definitely lost a parent who was a druid. And he lost it to the mechanical... And that's also why he doesn't want to necessarily add too much mechanics and why he's actually looking to do 
uh, clockworks because they're running through magical power that sustains them all the time. I think he's looking at more how can he create the magical force initially in the clockwork key and then that just keeps running on itself. So almost like a rechargeable battery. So the person or the item continuously recharges themselves which might bring why we call it the con key because con is in constitution and it's your body that's constantly supplying it guys i did it i found a reason for the con key killer yeah dr freeze batman is a fantastic example actually because i mean he he just wants to save his guys can we all just take a moment and be like batman is a dick in that one where he's like you know what I'm going to do I have so much money I could help this guy get money for his wife's like cancer research and things but he's like you know what I'm going to do I'm going to like kapow this guy in his face that's what everyone's afraid of in Gotham Gotham they're all like guys don't do something bad because you know what Batman is a dick (laughs) okay so he lost his parent and he didn't want other people to experience loss again I mean on the map that we drew we have these wastelands where there's like elephant graveyards but for the whales And also there's these toxic wastelands. So surely his motive could also be around the fact that he could create whales that continuously keep giving. So I'm I'm sure their resources are also going to eventually start becoming finite. But also people won't die to the mechanical waste. And so they also won't necessarily get that madness. So maybe it's trying to find a way that there are rechargeable clockwork that is not susceptible to madness. Because he just wants to make the world a better place, right? And that's probably why he got kicked out of the Shadows Guild. Because he's one of those kids in class that were asking those, re- you know, those really awkward questions. So I think he's also lawful, lawful evil, right? He's not, he doesn't seem chaotic. It's, it's very planned. And it's justify the means. It's really building out his, his character and his life. Because unfortunately, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a spoiler. So unfortunately, Nicole, our beautiful, beautiful Nicole, who was sick today, is actually going to be moving to China to go be amazing and live her best life. But unfortunately, because the time zones are super different, uh, we can't live stream Nicole in. And so I'm thinking of how I can get her character out in such a way that it furthers the story, but that she gets a complete character arc in. And part of her character arc is that she is actually Nelly's long lost sister, that she knows she's Nelly's sister. Nelly doesn't know. And Nelly is spending her campaign looking for the serial killer, but also trying to investigate some, her sister at the same time. And I'm wondering if we don't get Banquo to kill Nicole's character. And that can really drive impetus both for the hunt for him, but also to start make it very personal for Nelly. But the reasoning, and this is what I love about people who come with backstories of like, something happened to me, but I don't remember what, or I don't know exactly what it was, because that creates drama and gives space for you as the GM to build something into it. So Kira said that she is searching for her sister, but she lost her memory from a childhood trauma with her sister. So something happened to them, and she can't remember what happened to them, and then she just remembers having her sister before that, and then nothing. And then Kira was like left to another family. So Stasi, which is Nicole's character, thought that Kira was initially kidnapped, right? 
But then she found out and she found out she was adopted and given to... So why would your parents give you away, especially if they kept one child but didn't keep the other? Would he experiment on her character? See, this is the thing, because maybe we don't kill her and we keep her as an experiment because, you know, if she came back for like a holiday or something, she could pick up her character and we could have something really cool. So do we kill her? Do we keep her locked up somewhere? Maybe there's something in the raw oil and the experimentation. So Stasi has her memories. It's Kira who doesn't have the memories. And it's Stasi who we're trying to figure out a way to really create a complete story for Nicole, but also leave a way that the story's not over so that Wednesday and Nelly can continue on the story, as well as a new player, which we're going to be getting but I'll introduce them when they arrive. Perhaps the raw oil and experimentation is an idea because Banquo is actually an elf, a full-blooded elf, and Stasi and Kira are both half-elves, so maybe he wants to practice on an elf because we have said that the Conky Killer, there's no modus operandi for who he chooses. So maybe when he's trying to do something to her, trying to transform her to a clockwork, because maybe he realizes he can't necessarily kill them first. What if she was already experimented on and that's why she lost her memories? So if Kira's been experimented on, I wonder if their parents knew Banquo's parents. I wonder if their parents were not also one of them was because they also didn't tell me this, so I can fill in the blankety blank blanks. Stasi and Kira's parents were druids, so it's cool that we did the hierarchy of the warlocks because now we know. So one parent was a druid. Let's say because Stasi's mom, because Stasi said here that thinks Kira was kidnapped by a family that couldn't have children, or that's what her mom said. So it sounds like, okay, so one parent, their mom, who also probably wanted to do it for a good idea, was experimenting with this raw oil on Kira, who's slightly older than Stasi, and that made Kira lose her memories, but the mom didn't want Kira to know that she'd experimented on her because that's, like, really... It's a shitty thing to do. So they gave her away to another family... These are just plot points because if the chat changes everything, then that's not what's going to happen. Now, how were Stasi and Kira's parents attached to Banquo's parents? Did the parent have a slight touch of the madness? I think she did. Slightly mad. Did they work together, the parents? Were they part of a tinkerer's club? Like, so people who were trying to learn to become artificers. So as much as there's hedge witches... Or maybe they were hedges. Maybe they were hedge witches. And they were part of a sort of learning circle together, learning magic together. And hedge witches can also get affected by the madness because they use sort of runoff oil. So yeah, let's say they were historian guild that were studying the magics of the past. I feel like hedge witches, the only way they can learn about magic is from studying the past. So most hedge witches would have very strong knowledge of uh, the past because no one's going to teach anything to you. So you'd have to find books or something else that teaches you or people would pass the knowledge down to other hedge witches. And maybe that's why he actually takes Stasi because he, he realizes that Kira's been affected by the magic he's sort of trying to investigate and so 
he wants to see it run its course with her. But if Kira sort of is doing okay, maybe Stasi would take to the key really well. What if she is the conky? She is a tinkerer. Okay, so you're saying what if it's not actually Banquo? They think it's Banquo, but it's actually their mom. And she takes Stasi. What if they've discovered how to draw power from the earth? So to draw oil from the earth instead of from the whales. So there's just like this really small hedge witchy group struggling to get oil. They're trying to find a way to run their machines, run their magic. They discover they can pull something from the earth and it's Banquo and Stasi and Kira's mom and parents. They discover they can pull something from the earth but maybe the first time it was too raw because they didn't expect it i don't know i don't know if this uh, maybe it's complicating things see like my invention my beginning when i started this i thought the high concept would be actually basically do-gooders fighting for the whales and it was going to be quite a environmentally friendly and the the big bad was going to be about that but now maybe like the idea against fracking But yeah, so initially my high concept and what I thought I would make the big bad was that it would be a like a do-gooder. I say do-gooder like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But like it would be a militant, lawful good person because actually that would be quite interesting. But then we created the serial killer. So I was thinking to run that uh, environmental storyline in the background so that once they found the, the killer, they could pick up plot points about the background so I'm going to put this oil from the earth and fracking idea here so maybe there's some crack parts that they come up upon that are like we don't need oil from the whales we can pull it from the ground and people can sense and feel that I want to go back now to what if the mom is actually the killer <gasps> what if Banco is a clockwork and that was probably the experiment they tried to do on Kira right so she has all the same motivations as Banquo had. And he came to her wanting to learn and she turned him into a clockwork. So Banquo is a clockwork. So he is kind of, I mean, he still has his own mind and things like that. But I think it's going to start to devolve. And that's what's going to make it easy for, they'll probably be, I don't know, level one, level two when they catch up to Banquo. And so maybe... He's degenerating because there's no oil. Because we said we're trying to run it rechargeable and like this car, uh, without oil. He is degenerating and that will make him less powerful. So that when they do face off against him, it's not like three level twos against a, a level 20. So he is degenerating. And then they can find out that it's Stasi's mom. Oh, could we make her clockwork or been in control this whole time like a sleeper agent like Manchurian candidate kind of vibe because she stayed with their mom while Kira was given away you know as much as D&D &D is of it's it's about a story that we want to tell and it's about these adventures we go on like my best is when my players look at me and their minds just look blown right And they just feel like they've had the craziest ride ever and their character's done something or had something so incredibly unexpected or cathartic happen. Ooh, okay, so what if Stasi is actually not a Manchurian candidate, but, ooh, this could be cool, when she sees 
Banquo degenerating and he obviously tells them that it's their mother doing it. That flips a switch in her head that all the oil that her mom's been giving her for like a very long time suddenly triggers and she turns evil and then I get her to try and murder the party. That could be cool. Then Nicole can get to like really try and just blow shit up when she leaves. That could be amazing. And then also if people have to put down their party member and their sister, that's traumatic and wonderful. (laughs) And then we've got this whole plot point of Kira wondering whether she's got the oil in her, whether she's a clockwork, like wondering who she is. The storyline is very centered around Stasi and Kira, but we also still have Lauren's plot points and storylines to come back to. But I think this is very in-depth and I think it's going to provide a lot of really, really cool moments. And I'm going to make the duck do something amazing. I'm going to turn that duck into a weapon, which she can also use to mess with you guys. Duck must be useful. Duck beak. The ghost duck beak. You know what? I think that's enough for moving forward. I am going to write a law eventually about the whole world. I've just been insanely busy because, you know, we're really trying to build and grow and share the role-playing community here in South Africa. So we're doing events at Timeless Board Games. We're also really grateful and happy to have a home here at the Nexus Hub, which is in Randburg. So if you ever have time, please come through. The shop's rad. The people here are rad. The food's rad. And they're also building something really, really cool for Dungeons and Dragons, which we're very happy to be involved in. And we'll let you know about that when it comes out. So you may or may not have a really cool D&D room. I'm just saying, spoilers. Thank you guys so, so much for being here and for being in the chat and for being here, even though it was only me. But I had a lot of fun and I got some puns out and I imagine you guys hosed yourselves at them. They were amazing. Thank you for all the ideas. And you've really created basically... And not only enough for Nicole's arc and this season, but enough to go into multiple seasons with the fracking and the oil from the earth. And that's really what I love about building worlds and building stories is I try not to create too much or prescribe too much. I like to build it as we go because that's how it becomes fully fleshed out. And worlds are intricate, right? Everything is connected in a way because that's how things develop. If A didn't happen, B wouldn't have happened to these people who maybe live 20,000 kilometers away. And everything has an effect. So I feel like if you sometimes create a world without letting it develop a little bit by itself or with input from other people, your world is going to be very stagnant and one-dimensional. So thank you for helping me make my world a little bit rounder and also very sadistic. Guys, thank you so, so much for being here. Remember, we are going to be back live streaming with the whole team next week, Tuesday at 7.15 p.m. GMT plus two or South African Standard Time. Please remember, if you enjoyed this, share it with your friends, foes, families, and familiars. Like and follow us and subscribe and do all the things. We're also on YouTube and on our podcast where we basically siphon everything down and you can just hear the adventure if you don't like to hear all the crap we put between and the laughing and things like that. We are interactive as you can see and it's interactive in the game even so join us next week give suggestions join help the players not help the players it's all fun for me as an aside i'm looking at the corner of my eye a huge thank you to my support team who always make me look amazing and a huge thank you to you for watching so i hope you have the most amazing week filled with adventure